If you are not already a part of 10X People Skills, the Facebook group, what are you doing? You should absolutely join. It is totally free. And we talk about your people problems. Whether you have a team or you don't have a team and you're looking to bring new team members on, we address everything from communication tips to how to fire somebody or how to create cultural touch points. It's a great place for you to be able to get some one-on-one interaction and ask me direct questions about the people problems that you are currently facing in your role. Go to cardonventures.com forward slash skills to register. All right. Welcome back to Workwoman. I am thrilled to be able to introduce you guys to Ashley Stahl. I've just been captivated by the work that she does. And one thing that is so interesting is the way that she goes about doing the work. So she is a total expert on all things career and how to find where you belong in the workplace. So Ashley, thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to be here with you. And I feel like as somebody who's so great at leadership, I'm just like ready for your questions. I have no idea what you're going to ask me. Woohoo! <laughs> you're going to rock this because I have not heard you do anything that you don't rock. Oh. If people, you know, please totally stalk her because you will go down the rabbit hole of just Ashley's world and all of the amazing advice that she gives. But I want to give people an understanding of all of the content that you have out there and kind of how it all started and where you got your first footing in the space that you're in. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I didn't come out of the womb thinking I would be a career expert, like totally not <laughs> in my life plan. I feel like like many kids, like I was exposed to the careers that we were told through this very limited aperture of being a veterinarian, a teacher or a lawyer or a police officer. Like those were the things I heard when I was a kid. But I remember coming up to the microphone at my uh, graduation from preschool and the principal had all of us kids kind of come onto stage and say what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I got on on the mic and I remember looking out into the audience and out of my mouth came like, I want to be a mother and a poet. And it was like, you know, no applause followed. And I just kind of like think I waited for it. And I I feel like I've been seeking my whole life um, for like creative outlets that allow me to use who I really am and to use my career as a vehicle for self-expression. And I came up short early in my career. I was living in France in 2008. And I'll never forget this moment where I came across this woman who was being hit in the face by her husband. I think it's her husband. And she had a baby and it was raining and it was just this like quiet Sunday in Western France and I was walking and I saw it and it really jarred me. He was screaming at her in a language I didn't understand. And in that moment, I don't know what was going on for me, but I think like most people experience, I made a career decision Mm. and told myself that I was going to be in some sort of career that was security related. And I already was in, you know, studying the government. And there's something about that moment that perceptually, I just thought I'm going to work in national security and protect people in some way. And so that's kind of what my brain made that moment mean. And I devoted myself from there on out as a government major in college to studying national security. I always had an affinity to learning foreign languages and went all into working in counterterrorism, having grown up after 9-11. So that was kind of the beginning of my career. And like pretty much everybody in 2008 who was graduating, I couldn't get a job to save my life and ended up being a very highly educated admin assistant making minimum wage in Los Angeles after a very long job on and sleeping on my parents' couch 
and my my high school bedroom becoming the exercise room for a while. Oh. You know, I was gone. And, <laughs> and you know, it's like I I remember during that time just like going into so many myths in my head of needing to take a job just so that I'd have one or having to just take what I could get or get my foot in the door and all of these limited mindsets that made me kind of think a lot smaller than I had even before the recession and ended up taking that admin job at an ad agency. And every single day I felt this like hopelessness of, of knowing like I wasn't where I was supposed to be and, and not knowing how to get out and not knowing really like where to belong or how to stand out. And even though counterterrorism felt really interesting to me and I'd gotten the graduate degree and learned the foreign languages for it, um, I just didn't really get how I was going to move from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C. and get a lot of job offers. And long story long, I ended up um, quitting my job after emailing my college and asking them, do you have a list of alumni who moved to D.C.? And they happened to have a list of people living in the district. And I literally cold called and cold emailed all 2,000 people on that list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, cold emailing is really uncomfortable. Cold calling is so uncomfortable. But do you know, it's like not as uncomfortable as being lost, you know? And it was like, I got to a point where I just didn't even care how embarrassing it would be at any time for myself because I just wanted the result that I thought might be possible. And I ended up getting about a network of 100 contacts out of that huge list and they were people that really went out of their way. And I got the confidence to leave my job and move to D.C. And through those conversations and the amazing people I met who went really out of their way, I became somebody who would go out of my way to help other people. And I ended up building a career that paid those people back in a way for helping me. They would come around years later and ask for my support. And I had something that I could do to help them, too. And it just became this beautiful thing that, I, that made me fall in love with networking. And uh, once I ended up getting three job offers in six weeks through this network, I tripled my income and became an executive uh, at the executive level working for a program in the Pentagon in DC and didn't really look back for a while. But on the side, I wouldn't stop helping people with their job hunt because I absolutely loved job hunting. And I even noticed that I really missed the job hunt. So that was kind of my start in job hunting and career expertise. How funny that you loved it so much that you just like found a career in helping other people do it. Like that's, that's what should happen. But most people have this crazy and you are the expert at this, but it seems like, you know, you don't really know what you want when you're young. Cause how could you, you don't know what all the options are. And then you either go to college or you don't, and you just pick something in hopes that eventually it's going to lead down that path. But then your ability to recognize, Hey, wait a second. I love this thing. Why can't I go back to being and and talking and moving into that space. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that um, it, like a lot of people who become experts at something, like I just started helping people with it because it was genuinely fun for me. You know, like you and I kind of had a conversation about technicians and how they're just really focused at what they do and on what they do. And that was really me. Like I was just really good at job hunting by that point. Like after going through 2000 networking phone calls and figuring out what gets me rejected, like I just knew what not to say anymore. And knew how to inspire 
somebody to support me from a really authentic place. Like I genuinely enjoy people. So I just am constantly looking for like, how do I help that person? And I don't really have a thought on whether they'll help me or not, but I've noticed that this way of life just pays itself back anyway and makes for a lot of magic in my career and in my life. And so I just started helping people nonstop. And a lot of people I helped ended up getting job offers and raises. And that kind of got me into helping people with just the job hunt itself. That was all I knew in my twenties. And I felt completely out of integrity being a career expert that helps with anything else that I didn't know. Um, and after about five or six years into my business, people started telling, would come back and say, Hey, I know how to get job offers. Thanks to your course or thanks to you. But like, what, what job do I even want? And that was when I started to branch out and I had been exposed to so many careers that were out there in the market that I was able to help people through a more strategic mindset of helping them understand what their options were. Do you still recommend that people cold call? Um, you know, I don't think calling is the best. I think that emailing is better. And even though it's passive and it doesn't necessarily, you know, elicit a response quite like a call, I think people are living in a world where there's like way too many spam calls and, you know, bless the iPhone for letting us know that there's literally a spam call coming in, you know? (laughs) Um, but I I think that people are highly sensitive and that, um, if you, I would, estimate that half of the people you cold call are going to feel like it's totally unwelcome and you could burn more bridges than create. So I would say starting with a cold email, I'm not big on a LinkedIn message because I don't think people's priorities exist in their LinkedIn inbox. I think they exist in their email inbox. Mm -hmm. So I think it's worth it for anybody to figure out their email address for sure. I feel like if somebody sent me an email and followed up, like if somebody followed up five times, I would be compelled to respond. And even in my own, like in the few times that I've searched for a job, I'm by no means an expert, but I would just be scared of following up because I wouldn't actually know what to say. But now as somebody who is on the other side of, you know, wanting to find great talent, the follow-up game is what often gets people in the door. It's not the first impression. Yeah, exactly. I think that, and there's such a fine line between being persistent and being a pest. It's interesting. (laughs) Like for me, um, I, you know, like I have a Forbes column, which is amazing. You guys, I'll put the link, but her Forbes column is absolutely incredible. And it's something that we're going to dive into in a short while here, but you have to check out all of her careers content in the Forbes column. Thank you. You are just like pimping me out at the highest levels. But it's (laughs) yeah, like I learned so much about people pitching on there because I will feature somebody in Forbes and I'll let them know, like, for example, with COVID, um, I have to be reporting on COVID in the workforce right now. That's just what's present. And so I'm pushing a lot of more neutral evergreen articles, things that are like about the job hunt that are in general. And as a result, um, I've been getting follow-ups for like features by people that are like, Hey, when's my feature coming out? When's my feature coming out? And I'm noticing as the the writer, like, okay, the, the fifth follow-up is where they're burning a bridge more than building one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's also about what you say, making sure you add value when you're not just the person that's like, Hey, remember that thing that we talked about, but instead being like, Hey, I thought of you. And this is something that I thought might be really valuable for you. And, and by the way, I would love to connect when, you know, my, on my, when my feature is coming out, something like that. I think that's awesome. There's definitely the line between, you know, crazy and confident. That's that's how I normally put it. Uh, we actually just recently had a guy who continued to, to show up to our office and give us his resume. 
And I finally, it was after he showed up to all of our calls and then, you know, in person, it was probably after two months of being in communication with him when I finally was like, I gave in. I was like, okay, well, let's make an interview happen with this guy. And we called him twice and he never returned our phone calls and he never responded to his voicemail. And I just thought, wow, like talk about being three feet from gold. You just never quite know when somebody is actually going to be ready or when that position is available for you. Uh, And, you know, as somebody who is constantly trying to look for great candidates, I, I want them to know that they should be following up because you just don't know from an organization's priority standpoint why they're not hiring at this moment, but they could be for that role in the future. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, it always kind of perplexes me. And I, I wonder what goes on for somebody to dodge something that they worked for, like whether it's something like Gay Hendricks would write about in the big leap where there's like some sort of upper limit about actually hearing back from something you want or, but I, I find that most, most people don't actually feel truly worthy of what they want anyway. That, you know, that is a very interesting concept. And that kind of leads me into my next question, which is talking about life purpose and this journey that you've been on as you've been writing your book, U-Turn. Can you walk me through what type of conversations you've been having, having with yourself about life purpose and how that correlates to the work that you do and that everybody does? Yeah, I love that you're asking me this because I find that the concept of life purpose has a lot of social pressure and there's like a discourse that seems to exist around it that translates into a lot of people feeling like automatically if they don't have this like dopamine rush or deep spiritual connection to what they're doing every day that there's something missing in their life and that life isn't here for them and that they need to figure it out. And I I find that purpose moves you know, and in one moment, my life purpose might be like, for example, I got a puppy and I took some time off just to raise him. And that was my purpose. And it was really fulfilling in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a two year period where I wrote the book U-Turn, which is my own little concept. It's it's spelled Y-O-U and turn is two words. And it's already out right now for pre-order, which is so exciting. And what I really focused on during that book was this concept of coming home to yourself and that being the ultimate U-turn in your career and figuring out who you truly are. Because I think most people think they need clarity on what they want, but really what they need to do is connect to themselves. Because when you connect to you, it becomes a lot easier to figure out what your interests are, what your likes are, and what you really want to do in the workforce. Um, So often what I find with people in their career is that there's just a general disconnect from who they're being and who they want to be, you know, or who they think they are. Um, And they're putting on this mask every single day and not asking questions about it or um, just kind of in this autopilot. And so my book is really here to inspire people to really get reacquainted to who they truly are, what their best skill sets are, uh, what their values are, and how to apply that to figuring out where they belong in the workforce. And when it comes to me and my purpose, like writing that book for two years, that was like hugely purposeful for me. Like I was saying at the beginning of our conversation, like I wanted to be a poet and getting a book deal and writing a book was pretty close to that, you know? And and it's funny in chapter 12 of U-Turn, I make the ultimate U-Turn and talk about how I spent all of these years now being a career expert and my next book is going to be my poetry collection. So it's like coming back to myself once again, because we, I don't know, like our, our career to me is just the ultimate experiment and it's such a vehicle for self-expression. But I do think with life purpose, people need to allow a moment in time 
and manage their expectations and realize like sometimes your purpose isn't in your career. And that's genuinely something I believe. How would you advise somebody if they were, let's say they're struggling to get the right job, maybe even your own experience where you just come out of school and the last thing that you wanted to do was be an administrative assistant, but you had to take that at the time because the job that was going to give you ultimate life purpose wasn't available to you. Um, but there is something in you that didn't give up the pursuit of finding your life's purpose for people who are in that space right now, especially with COVID, um, and being able to figure out just how to make ends meet as the primary function and, and have a secondary function as life purpose. Are there ways that you can kind of craft your life purpose that are outside of work, uh, that can still be fulfilling while you're not giving up on it in your career? Yeah, really good question. I would say that the ultimate tool to kind of getting back to yourself and your life purpose and your career as well is to start tuning into the things that you do that make you feel like yourself in the first place. You know, like far too often, I think people get kind of lost or off path in their career. And it's just so important that they start to ask themselves when they're feeling disconnected, like, stop focusing on what you need to do next and start just focusing on what can you do that makes you feel connected and what can you do that makes you feel like yourself. So what, what is out there that brings you back into your element? Um, that could be dancing. That could be, um, I mean, that could be writing. I mean, it, it can look like fitness. Like everybody has something. It could also be people or places. Like I find that when I go to the beach and I'm around the ocean, I feel so much more inspired and, and grounded. Um, so sometimes I'll go there when I'm trying to reconnect to myself. Um, there are certain friendships that I'm deeply aware of where I just know that if I go spend more time with them, I'm going to get more aware of what my purpose really is in the world or my inspiration at the very least. And when I get into that inspiration, there's so much that comes from that energy field. And, uh, you know, our friend Gina is definitely one of those people where when I'm around her, it's like, I leave with 50 ideas. Hmm. And so, so I would spending that. time with people like her or just in environments where that type of energy can be created doesn't necessarily have to be around the work, but has to be found in other places. Yeah, because I think when you get back to yourself, then it gets a lot easier to kind of come up with those answers, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, I think ultimately, like I was saying earlier, it's like the big problem isn't, isn't not knowing what to do, but feeling completely disconnected from yourself. And when you get back into you and you get back into inspiration and back into fun, those answers of what to do next become so much more clear. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think back on times in my life where I felt lost uh, and I w managed to find a way to find purpose and meaning in other places. Um, but I think a huge part of this, uh, this is going to be my, my go at a good segue, is when you're not finding your life purpose in your work, let's say because you have a boss that you don't like, uh, and one of the articles that you wrote uh, for the Forbes Council is uh, how, to spat, how to spot a bad boss in an interview. That statistic that 40% of workers report leaving their job due to a boss they didn't like can definitely be an impact in your ability to find your purpose. Maybe the work is great, but the environment that you're doing the work in is not. Yeah, definitely. I think that knowing the statistic that 50% of people leave their job, not because of what they were up to, but because of their boss just points to the fact that 
a lot of people are kind of doing it wrong when it comes to job searching and looking for their next career move. They think like, what do I want to do and what's the responsibility I want to have? And they kind of lead with like accepting a job in that arena without thinking to themselves, like, who am I working for and what is this setup? Like, how is this corporate culture going to look or how's my day-to-day life going to look? Because ultimately happiness and life purpose and goals are about how we want to feel. And I think a lot of people are chasing goals on the belief that it's going to make them feel a certain way. And it doesn't matter what your responsibilities are. If you are working in an environment that's toxic or you have a manager that is not kind or respectful, eventually that's going to break you down and create bad feelings in your career, no matter what your responsibilities are. Totally. And when you think about, I mean, I've certainly had bad bosses before. Have you had a bad boss? Um, you know, gosh, it's been so long since I've been in the workforce. I have to recall. Yeah. I mean, I've had different types of bad bosses, like <laughs> working in counterterrorism. I kind of had like the military boss who had literal PTSD and he would kind of go into panic mode out of nowhere on the field. Um, you know, he got drunk once and showed us his gun collection. That was really startling. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, gotta, gotta love working in counterterrorism. Uh. And then I would also say, um, I've had the boss that is passive and they don't want to take responsibility and like actively lead and kind of do the dirty work, which sometimes looks like reporting somebody that's not doing a good job or kind of like handling that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've had a really great boss who's super respectful and um, really inspiring and was like an exact, a model of who I would want to work for. So it's been pretty across the board for me, for sure. So if you have a bad boss, um, let's say you're a candidate and you're trying to suss out, is this person going to be the right boss for me? Um, One of your tips is to get clear on what kind of boss you want to work for. And then, you know, obviously you'd have to figure out in the interview process if the picture that you have is in alignment with the person that's in front of you. Um, would you recommend that somebody says no to that job if they don't feel like there is that natural alignment there between what they're looking for and what's in front of them? Yeah. I mean, I always recommend somebody trust their intuition, but I do think that if you ask who people are, they'll usually tell you and they might make light of it or make a joke of it, but it's kind of like dating. Like I think about a lot of my friends who, you know, or even in my life before I found my partner, it's like the guys who are emotionally unavailable would tell me like, you know, like, (laughs) like date one, they would be like, Oh yeah. Like why didn't things work out? Oh, like I have, I have some challenges with like opening up. It's like, okay. Like why is it a surprise that on date 10, this is still a thing. You know, (laughs) it's the same thing with, I think, um, hiring and getting a job. Like you can ask what is a day-to-day life, the day-to-day life look like in my role or or what's the culture like, or what are my hours? And if they make jokes about your hours, like and imply that's never going to end, you know, like these things are usually something that they will kind of reveal to you. And I find that to be very powerful to remember. So, you know, I feel like what's so cool about your experience is you come from uh, the same exact problem, which is how do you find people and create or help them create a career that lights them up. And then on, on my end, the problem is figuring out how to take a really qualified, really rock star candidate and being able to help them thrive and succeed through serving the clients that we serve. And so when you look at this, it's the same thing. It's putting the right person in the right role with the right responsibilities and ultimately the right boss. 
Um, but there are so many different points in which that can fall apart. Uh, and so when I talk to you, it's, it's also like a litmus test for us. I'm sure that I have laughed about the amount of hours that we work uh, because we do work a ton of hours and yet that's like, that but that could be fine. That sorry. I'm like interrupting you. I'm just so great. fired up about this. That could be perfect for some people. Like if, if your core value is not balance and, and by the way, we have to define it. Like everybody has a different version of balance. Some people balance is like working their ass off and then taking a two month vacation. Like it, it completely looks different, but for some people that's fine, you know, but for other people, if they value like wellness and that means that they go to the gym every day and they have time for their kids and da da da. So it's like, it's just important to know who you are and what you value so that when you walk into the conversation, if the manager makes a joke about something that you hold dearly, you're aware of that, you know? It's like both people being honest, like going back to your dating analogy. Yeah. First date, it's not having both people say, oh, I like really monogamous relationships just to find out that everybody wants, like the two of them want to sleep with other people and have yep. relationships. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I feel like I know that scenario all too well through friends who are dating. Like they tell me all about that kind of a thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, but you know, he's perfect, but, and it's so funny, the but that we kind of come up with, like he would be perfect if he didn't have an anger problem. It's like, well, that's, that's like permeating all of his genetic codes, you know, like same thing with a job. Yeah. Like that would be the perfect job if they pay me right. Well, it just doesn't. And so I think making sure that you just kind of have that sense of self and that you can not just tune into your intuition, which is super valuable, but also ask questions that kind of solidify what your, your suspicions might or might not be. I love that. So in this article, you list three strategic questions that you should ask during the interview to suss out whether or not the person that you'd be working for would be like horrible bosses part three. So well, the first one is the question would be if I was wildly successful in this role, what would be happening at the company because of me in the next six to 12 months? I think that that is the most beautifully worded, perfect question that any potential employer would, should love to hear that somebody is actually thinking through What is the impact that I'm going to create? Because it also puts the onus on the team member to say, I'm here to create an impact. Do you find that people use that question or has that ever been taken wrong in experiences that you've had? No, I mean, I I find that that's just like a very results-driven question. And I also recommend that kind of question if somebody wants like a raise, like if your review isn't going well and you're disappointed and you think you've created results, like ask your employer or, or if you're negotiating your salary for a new job and they're not giving you what you want, but you still want to take the job asking, like, if I was wildly successful in this, what would be happening? And then even following it up and saying like, okay, great. If I'm able to not only meet, but exceed those goals, can we revisit my compensation in six months? And usually if people give like dreamy enough goals, they're like, yeah, of course, if you can exceed these badass goals that I deeply want, of course we can talk about your income, you know? Yes. I, it's it's just such a smart way to create a true partnership between a team member and a leader in the organization or the, the business owner, depending on how big the company is. I I was joking with Ashley before we uh, hopped on and started hitting record that I want every single potential candidate that applies to Cardone Ventures to read her book because it it's like these are such incredible tips that you can learn to not only take take an opportunity to work with somebody and turn it into something amazing, but to just overarchingly as a person for somebody's life purpose, 
actually take ownership of this is your life and you need to have a purpose. And maybe it's not the big thing, but to your point, it's, it's having a purpose now for why it is that you're doing what you're doing. And there are these small things that people who, what I found is are really successful in life, take ownership of all things around them to be able to create that success that they're ultimately looking for, even if right now things aren't panning out the way that they might want aspirationally. Mm-hmm, definitely. When it comes to core values, uh, what are some good ways that a, uh, a candidate can express their core values to an organization um, if they don't have core values prior to, um, you know, working with you or listening to the content that you have? Yeah, I would say any time in your career that you can show instead of tell, like telling is good, but you want to really quickly be able to show after. And what that really means is like, I can say that I have a core value of like humor and that I believe in keeping things light. And that's totally true. But if I could say like, for example, there's this really serious client situation, the client was really tense. And here's like the ways that I was able to just kind of use my natural humor to like lighten them. And they ended up staying with the company instead of firing us, like stuff like that. Like how can you take who you are and show how it's benefiting an employer? That is what's going to not only get you paid, but like create more purpose for you in getting the jobs that you actually want. Do you find that people have difficulty taking their experience and putting it into sentences just like that, where it demonstrates what they're doing instead of just kind of rambling on about the work that they've done? Yeah, I definitely think that a lot of people seem to struggle in talking about what they do. And the number one interview question and networking question is tell me about yourself, which is why in a lot of my courses, I talk about how to craft an elevator pitch. And even in the book, U-Turn, I talk about it. Um, and, and I find that it's not because they don't have something to offer or, and it's not because they don't have anything to say, but rather it's because they haven't thought about it. They haven't really taken the time to really think like, when somebody asks me to talk about my career, what am I going to say for each job on my resume? Mm -hmm. One of the most common interview questions is, can you walk me through your resume? Mm -hmm. And so many people haven't even walked themselves through their resume. <laughs> and so they can't talk about it in a succinct way, you know? So I think usually like checking those boxes of what seems obvious is really powerful. Yeah. I, I love that interview question. I actually have never heard that before. And I hopped on an interview with one of our team members. And that was the first thing that he asked to walk me through your resume. And he proceeded, we had, we were hiring for the same role. So I think we had like four interviews back to back. And he started each of them with walking me through the resume. And it's so interesting how one candidate spent 25 minutes walking through in detail which was overkill. And then another one just breezed through the whole thing. And there is some sort of happy medium where if somebody could just role play and practice, it, it would be likely that they would have more success in finding like the right way to make that land. Yeah, definitely. I think your resume is a powerful document. It's also a very overwhelming one and it's not very succinct. So to me, like I'm always thinking like, how can a job seeker get someone through this in a way that is sharp, clear and related to the role that they're doing next sharp clear and related to the role that they're doing next i'm yeah. writing that down because i like that i feel like that's just so concise and that's exactly what people need to do yeah exactly like high value like results driven you know like how have you created a result somewhere that relates to what you're about to do next because 
people don't want to hire like a lot of people get locked in this idea of like i don't have enough experience and i'm like your experience doesn't matter because if you can show your results people just want to hire performers so just be results driven show them what you could do and ultimately the biggest question people are wondering is can they help or not you know not like how many years did they get on their linkedin profile in this random thing mm, yeah and it's not normally posted in a way where it is results oriented but you know without people like you who can really help somebody craft that i think i would struggle with that as well i've been working essentially in the same kind of environment for a long time uh and i think about the idea of looking for a job and there's just there's so many ways you could do it it's like anything there's so many ways you could do it but there are many ways that would just cut straight to the chase and yep. allow a candidate to be have the highest chance of success if the that organization really is hiring or you know even if the world is in a pandemic people are always looking for amazingly talented results oriented team members Totally. And I once had a mentor who said to me, like, when you talk, you're either adding value or taking up space. And I never forgot it. Like, I love that. Yeah. And it's interesting. I say that to job seekers sometimes not to paralyze them and make them like question if they should talk, but to just inspire intentionality in, in what they're sharing about themselves. Because um, people also are making decisions as humans when they're interviewing you or talking to you or considering working with you or trusting you with a promotion they're thinking to themselves like is this somebody that i want to be around is this somebody that i can trust and i think being able to communicate in a way that's adding value and not kind of like muddled um really is everything especially with the future of the workforce with uh in a world where robots are going to displace a percent of the population and continue to do so and with with covid and working remote like being able to communicate succinctly is is everything have you ever taken a communication course or have you always just kind of been naturally gifted at i've heard you speak i mean you're you're an amazing interviewer and, and ask incredible questions but is that something you had to really work on or did it come a little bit more naturally to you Thanks for saying that. I honestly, I've always seen the world through an artistic lens. And um, it, it's interesting, like I'm doing a partnership right now with Boss Babe, for example, and they have a course um, that I have called the Career Fit Formula. And I'm doing like these group calls with people. And somebody in the group this morning had just laughed and commented that I just have these visuals all the time that I'm expressing about career. Like for example, I think every industry is a pie and it has many different slices. And sometimes if you're in the wrong industry, you're just eating the wrong or wrong job, you're just eating the wrong slice of pie, you know, like in the right, you know, pie. So it's like, I just have all these visuals. And I think that when you are a creative person, you can um, communicate in a way that uh, paints pictures for people and that there's something really powerful about being able to tell stories. But this has just been inside of me ever since I was a kid. And and I think that's part of it with anybody is figuring out what's inside of you. Because if you're not a natural born communicator, that's okay. Like don't beat yourself up over it. Maybe you want to improve. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just want to focus on what you're great at and make your career about that. Mm, so powerful. It's so easy to look at somebody and want to communicate the way that they communicate. And if it doesn't come naturally to you, it, it flops because it doesn't feel inherent. Exactly. And you know, there, one of me is enough for this world. Like <laughs> everybody can be their own person and there's so much value. I think each person adds and I'm definitely not like, I, I, I'm an emotional being, but um, I would say that I still think that every person truly does have something unique about them to offer. We're all little snowflakes. And I, I find that people uh, sometimes just think there's nothing remarkable about them at all. And that's just not true. You mm. know, it's just not true. I couldn't agree with you more. 
Ashley, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining Workwoman today. Where can people find you? Thanks for having me. Um, I am over on my website at ashleystahl.com. It's just A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. Um, I have a free quiz on there on how to figure out what career path is best for you. My book is out for pre-order. So if you just go to Amazon and type in my name or the U-Turn book, you'll find it. And um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm hanging out. Sometimes I'm on Instagram. I'm not the most consistent Instagrammer, but I try. Okay. Have you started stalking TikTok? Are you on TikTok yet? I can't, I can't get in with TikTok for some reason. It just feels like I clench up at the thought of having to like, um, I don't know. I don't know. TikTok hasn't been my platform. I am starting a YouTube channel though. And that feels really fun. Oh, I bet you will be do great on YouTube. Please keep us updated on your YouTube channel because we would love to subscribe and like and comment and do all of the things. Thank, Thank you, you so much for all the value that you've added and look forward to continued conversations about how to help people find careers that light them up uh, and figure out you know, their, their space in this world. Thank you so much for having me.